in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Today we have Jesse. Yeah. For some context, I went to a pottery class on Saturday with Lisha. And then Jesse and Neil were the they were the two other people at the pottery class. Found out early on. Both work, we all work, all four of us work in tech. And then afterwards, I heard Neil being like, Oh, where do you want to eat? Something like that. And then I was like, Hey, do you guys want to eat with us? <laughs> and then I think it was like, I think they were, they were both like, Oh, I guess we can. And then it was really nice. I'm glad. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and then John was like, So I have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> You want to come on? That's so cool of you. Yeah. Hi, Jesse. We just met literally 20 seconds before this started recording. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I'm excited. Yeah, it's great to meet you. I, I, can, I can intro Hugh as well. So Hugh is a close friend for since 2014 or 2015. We met in San Francisco. We were both working out there. And then now Hugh lives in Arizona and we run a podcast together. Hugh is also in tech. He does. He's the... Uh, the chief design officer at, at a startup. Ooh, he always bloats that term. Fancy. I'm not actually. I'm just a senior fancy, fancy. product designer. <laughs> slash manager, slash director. Slash You're great, Josh. You're great. You're great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What's up, Jesse? How's oh. your day? Not bad. Went for a walk today. So, already a good day. It's like a balmy 44 degrees. So, it's like proper hot <laughs> in New York now. Yeah went to work, had a cardamom bun today, which is pretty good. It was from La Cabra, which I like, sometimes I'll just go through Google Maps and I'll wander the streets, like looking for food basically. And this place said they had good cardamom buns. So decided to go today. All right. Let's talk about bakeries <laughs> for the next hour. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, I'm down. Yeah, uh, I, I can introduce myself too, because I also haven't met you. I'm Jesse. I, I live in New York. I'm from Ithaca, New York, which is like four hours upstate. I work in tech as a software engineer. I work on web accessibility on Google Docs. Yeah, and I've been in New York for the past like almost seven years. I might be stuck here forever. We'll see. Yes, Jesse and Neil, if you were to move anywhere outside of New York, where would you move? And then Definitely Arizona, neither- right? <laughs> neither of them neither of them had any idea so I was like okay. oh really nice yeah I I don't I feel like I would enjoy living other places um I just can't imagine it so it's hard for me to make the jump I I do love Arizona though actually it's a very I I remember it being very flat and very dry but then like just random piles of stuff, like a mountain or like they're digging up some big hole. So there's like a big pile. <laughs> you know, us Arizonians <laughs> we like to just go out with our shovels. They're <laughs> digging for something. <laughs> I love that. that oh, follow up, follow up to Jesse's intro. So in addition to liking all the things that other people um, in our age range, meeting friends and going to nice restaurants and I don't know, things we can all relate to. Jesse is also into art. And yeah. Then, yeah, that's what I remember. But I love it. I was taking some drawing classes. So just like pencil on paper, which was really fun because 
It's so interesting to try to translate something in 3D to 2D. It's so hard. <laughs> I have such respect for artists, but it was really fun. And I like it because it is similar to running in that the barrier to entry is relatively low. Like you just need paper and then some sort of writing utensil. Like with running, you just need shoes. So it's relatively easy to get started, but it's difficult to master. Same with running. <laughs> I love that. Did you grow up painting or drawing or just is that the newest hobby or skill you're working? Yeah, I never was a drawer or a painter growing up. But I wish I was. I, that feeling. I know I, <laughs> I have a sister and she's older than me. I feel like she took the drawing gene. Mm. I grew up always so insecure. I was like, oh, I don't know how I draw stick figures. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I took an art one-on-one class once in community college just for fun. Mm, cool. Uh, and I do not regret it. I learned how to draw a circle and a square in charcoal. Delightful. Ooh, cool. <laughs> do you think it was harder for you to get into it because your sister was so good at it already? Oh, yeah. Like, I lived with an inferiority thing. complex all my childhood, going through college, got a BA, and then came back home after working in SF for a while. And then I was still like, I'm proud of myself, but I feel really insecure on the art side. <laughs> And so I was like, how do I acknowledge this and address this? So I mm. took a one-on-one class over summer. <laughs> <laughs> and now the funny thing is, if you're listening, Julia, you know exactly why. She, her room is now her guest room, but she, it's still her room technically. And I hung both. We did a bit of a remake over on the art on the walls. And I hung my square and circle right above her bed. <laughs> like an act of <laughs> defiance. Yeah. His sister is definitely a very creative kind of person. Mm. Um, yeah, she just went off on a kind of like less traditional route and it's just like kind of carving her own path. So mm. really interesting That's to awesome. see how Hugh and his sister are like, like siblings, but then also just going their own route. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of carving our own paths and going our own routes and finding where we're going, how do you end up? ending up in what you're doing as a developer or and yeah what was your path how'd you get started or are you even enjoying it so in high school one of my friends wanted to take like the programming class and then she was like hey like do you want to take a programming class with me and at that point I would pretty much sign up for a lot of classes just so I could hang out with my friends we signed up together and her mom actually teaches computer science so she like taught us basic stuff like how to write a for loop and like all that good stuff so that's kind of where it started and I remember it being a lot more fun than my other classes because it was more creative it was kind of like puzzly at that point which is so unlike my job now but like I feel like when you start computer science it's a lot of oh solve this puzzle so that's kind of what got me into it and then in college I studied it and I started working at Google and then recently I switched to work on accessibility which is also interesting because it's interfacing with a computer in a way that I'm not used to. So it's just fun to think about and fun to learn about. Wow. I love it. I love that so much. <laughs> and then uh, we were, I'm curious. So did you studied it in college and then you came out of school with a CS degree and mm -hmm. then applied yep. and was Google your first job or was yeah. it somewhere else? Did you have a nice, well done. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. First job, still here. So that's they brainwashed really you well. 
Yeah, they really did. <laughs> That's awesome. Is the work culture actually pretty cool there? I don't even know. Are we allowed to talk about this? It's okay if you are not allowed to talk about Google on the podcast, but um, the, I mean, management and like the work <laughs> culture. I think in my experience, it's been good. I can't speak for everyone's experience. So it's like such a large company, but yeah, I have only worked out of the New York office too. So it might be a different sort of culture than other places, but so far so I love good. It. If you have, <laughs> if you could choose three to five adjectives to describe your mm, experience as part of a team there, what would it be? I would say it's pretty, it's very collaborative, but also like individualistic in a funny way, because <laughs> everyone is pretty independently talented. There is collaboration, but also like you want to take ownership of your own stuff, I guess. What else? It is like any other place too. I think <laughs> the other adjective would just be like normal. I feel like it's many other workplaces are like it. Like your workplace is probably the same. Like to me, all these workplaces start to blend into one monoculture of tech workplace. Like I'm sure if you ask someone at like Microsoft, it would be the same. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Yeah, it's something, it's funny. I've been asking a lot of people at my work and just people I know. I was like, what do you think is a healthy number of direct reports on a team for a manager? Mm. And I'm going to ask you that question really quick. What is the, I'm just curious. And then we can go on to something else, but I just am curious. What is there an average size, team size for pods or whatever, agile or whatever you guys do? If you have a manager and say the end side, which is what you're in or other mm -hmm. teams, do you think there's like an average size of healthy number of direct reports on a team that you've I seen? I think seven. It's a pretty arbitrary number, but I think seven. Right on, cool. Because cool. then you can, meet with, you can meet with people every week and still have enough time to do other things. That's higher than I expected. I was thinking three to five. Yes, it depends what your preferred way of being managed is because some people prefer like more hands-off and some people like people who are involved with the day-to-day -day and stuff like that. I have a, I have a question about like higher level career stuff. Um, so a little bit of background, Hugh and I, neither of us studied computer science. I studied economics. He studied film and he was a recruiter for a while. Hugh had like seven jobs at the same company, maybe like 10 jobs at Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked in sales and business development. So we had like different backgrounds. And then I went to a coding bootcamp. Hugh bought a $10 Udemy course. Mm. And, and then Hugh did like dev and he like also was really into design. So we both came from the outside and then came in into the tech and software world. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought that if I had grown up and had the right major, took the right classes, like had internships, and then just kind of did it the cookie cutter way, I think that because I didn't do it that way and I had to like work really- Suffer like, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune <laughs> and take arms against a sea of troubles. No, yeah, okay. yeah. After coding bootcamp, I, I applied to like hundreds of jobs and lots of rejections and all that. And it's fine. And then now I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm so honored that I get paid to learn. 
I want to keep doing this. And I don't know exactly how to test it, but I, I suspect that because it was hard for me to first make it in that I, that I like appreciate more than I would have otherwise. How do you feel about working in the tech industry? And is it like something that you want to keep doing for the next decade? Like, how do you like think about that? I think when I first got into deciding to work in tech, it was a very different, there was a very different mindset around tech. It was just around when everyone's all man, like tech is going to change the world. It's going to be so great. It's so awesome and creative and just like a universal good almost. Like that was the sentiment around it. And I think as of late, people are discovering like, oh, like there are these like secret ills around it. Obviously there's a lot of things that have surfaced about like what happens on social media platforms and platforms in general. So it's a definitely different landscape to be working in tech now than it was like five years ago, six years ago. I don't know. So I think it's easier to be a little bit more jaded now, <laughs> long story short, but I do feel very lucky to work and do things that I find cool and get compensated well comparatively. Like when I compare myself to some of my other friends who don't work in tech, I'm like, dang, crazy that people in tech make. I saw a Glassdoor like best 50 jobs list and like the top 20 are all variations of some tech job. Yeah. And then like doctor is like 25 or something. And that was the first not IT like it was because it was all like full stack developer like principal developer ux engineer analytics and it was just like great yeah mm -hmm. um, i yeah no it's truly we're all very lucky i think but i think there's like a certain brand of like unfulfillment and jadedness that comes with working in tech sometimes that i'm also observing from like my friends who've been working in tech for a long time I think a lot of it comes from just, we are comfortable in many ways, financially for one, which gives you the space, I think, to think more. It's like the hierarchy of needs, right? Like when you're comfortable financially, you can be like, oh, like what about the greater meaning? Am I feeling fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's something I noticed among a lot of people who work in tech. And like thinking about, like, oh, is this good? Am I, is what I'm working on good? for the world and does it matter questions like that but maybe that comes from oh we have reasonably good work hours and we're compensated well so we don't have to worry about oh like i need to make this money i need to fulfill my more core needs yeah, i'm dude. curious what y'all think about that too it's it's potentially because because that sentiment, I, I hear it a lot in my circles, people being like, oh, I'm working on this thing that in a very small way was connected to this big problem. And like, am I the bad person here? Or, or just questions about like finding meaning or like having impact and all very like legitimate questions. And I don't know, it's, it's like partially probably is from a place of privilege and like being in a position where when you're not I'm basically saying what you said and just repeating it. Like you're not worrying about paying rent next month and until so you can take a step back and be like, oh, what do I want to do long-term? Like what kind of impact do I want to make? And 
yeah, I wrestle, I wrestle with those questions a lot. And so far I've just been like, all right, for now, I'm just going to like try to have fun while I like get better at picking a cause. And like, if I, if I find something that I feel like is something that I'm like meant to do even better, if I'm like in a financially comfortable position where I can take that kind of risk, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to answer it other than like, just depends on the person. Hey, what do you think? He's I think no, I definitely have a lot to, to improve on, but I think there's a few foundations that kind of are a circle and in a sense, ebb and flow over time. And I've said it a few times in the podcast. I hope not, I'm not repeating myself too much, but there's just on like a personal note, are you happy in family? Is it healthy, good communication, growth, friends, good community, all of that, having things to do and not feeling just when alone, like you have no one else, or if you're alone, if you're okay with being alone, that's awesome. Health, energy, exercise, everything that you're doing there, making sure you're taking care of yourself, both mentally and physically. And I think with the soul, I think it's mind, heart, and soul is something I was talking to somebody about the other week and working through that with them. And then the fourth one is work, whether or not we feel fulfilled by the work and or what does work mean for us? I think there's a lot of ways we should and can contextualize and analyze what work means and how it one benefits us, benefits those that we love and benefits others and whether or not it detracts from any of those. And also whether we feel like we're growing or if we need to feel like we're growing in work or sometimes people become career workers where they do an amazing job. They don't need to grow that much more. They just do their function, but that job supports everything else in, in it. And I think the fifth one is hobbies and or giving back to the community and things like that. So on your free time, what side projects are you trying to work on to benefit better, move the ball forward or whatever you have that and like the torch in your hand, what, what's the torch you want to pick up or what are the hobbies that you're trying to improve upon personally and community wise, like my fun fact, John, this is, I can, I just got accepted actually. Like my fun fact, I've been trying to figure out how to give back more to my local community. And I was born and raised in Arizona. And now that I'm have always lived in Gilbert pretty much my whole life, I'm like, how do I give back to Gilbert and try to grow what we have here? And because I, I don't want to move anytime soon. And so I'm actually, I just became and got accepted after being recommended, I guess, a board of trustee for the Gilbert Sister Cities group, which is pretty cool. And we have a two partner cities in Northern Ireland and Lushan, China, so Sichuan province. And we'll be trying to get like high schoolers and stuff to come and explore and learn about culture in all three. And technically I'm actually all three. I'm Chinese, English, and Irish and American. Oh, wow. so I'm like the trifecta there. So it's fun. But yeah, that's what, how I am analyzing and thinking about it. And that's also what I do with like my direct reports and stuff. Like I go have a monthly one-on-one that's a deep dive into their five personal traits and go from there to just make sure there's confidentiality of, they don't want to say all the things, but you get some really interesting things out. Like one guy was like, I'm struggling at work because I'm not getting time to exercise. And I was like, all right, put a two hour work block on your calendar every day. I don't care. Uh, I don't mind. And and he's really happy now. So yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that was an interesting tidbit. <laughs> wow. Board of trustees. Congratulations. Appreciate wow. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my friends that I, I co-host a podcast with with uh someone who who's on the board of trustees. 
or Gilbert, <laughs> Arizona. Best of Gilbert, Arizona. <laughs> no, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Which isn't, I guess, it's not to say like people can pursue their passions without fulfilling all those core things or like fulfill, go for things that matter to them. And I know a lot of people who do that and are going to be doctors or they work for like more essential services. But yeah, it's interesting to think about. So are you going to be a ceramicist? I hope so. I hope so. That's the goal. That's the goal. The dream is to have all of the plates and bowls and mugs in my house be handmade. By, this by is you? Amazing. By me. Maybe by you yeah. if you get there first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> send me, both of you, send me pots. I, I need these stuff. I love this. Yeah, that's the dream. But I feel like it's a good, like, long term goal because I, I feel like with time, you, you gain a lot of skill and stuff like that. With, pottery yeah that's also one of my like I don't know what to call it but like I, I think I will reach a point in my life where I'm not trying to hustle and I'm just trying to like hang out with my kids like I, I still want to care about my career but then hopefully I'm in a position where I don't have to prioritize it as much and hopefully I have the skills to it's like you do anything for a decade you're gonna have those skills so like hopefully I'm at a point where or I can be like, oh, pay me the same amount, but I'm going to work 15 hours a week. And hopefully I'm good enough to be in that role. But if and when if and when I get there, I want to go to the local community center and then just see the guy making pots on the wheel over and over. And people being like, wait, does this guy have anything else to do? He's always here. And then just get really good. And then I'm going to make a Shopify website where I'm going to sell my pots but in the beginning, everything's going to be sold out just to be like, oh, this is very exclusive. And it's just, um, you haven't made them yet. <laughs> sold out label. I, I love it. The, the dreams are big. Have you two ever heard of the gentleman called Slow Mo on San Diego Beach? No. So John has, but Jesse hasn't. All right. So there's a gentleman. He's this a doctor that I guess made enough money and retired early and decided that the rest of his days and I, I haven't checked in the last two years. I haven't been to San Diego in two years, but he changed it up and says, I just love rollerblading. And he doesn't love rollerblading fast. He loves rollerblading slow. And he loves rollerblading on one leg at a time for as long as he can go. And he just does that every day up and down the boulevard or whatever you call the thing, the pier, the walkway or whatever. And yeah, that's basically become his life's dream and goal just to enjoy life and do it very slow-mo wise on rollerblades. And everybody loves him. They're like, slow-mo. But if you ever see the gentleman, he's, you can't miss him. He's a guy on, he'll be on one, one leg on the rollerblade. And he's just, I've seen him before. I just, I just remembered I've seen him before. Yes. He's the best. He's so cool. Everyone's like, I went ah! to the beach and I, I was like, oh, slow. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that. That's his version of what he wants to do. Yeah, I respect that a lot. There's a lot of people out there, I feel, that have... What are the different things people grow towards? They, they grow due to... Based on ambition. They base they grow due to... Gosh, English is hard. They grow because they want to give back. They grow because they feel insecure or unconfident. And you know, there's a lot of different catalysts for growth and career trajectories and what you want to do in life. 
but it's really cool when you see somebody like slow-mo they i.e they arguably made it and then they decided to have their kind of they don't really need to throw a car into space and then become a multi mars spacefaring civilization <laughs> and they're okay with that elon musk is awesome but i think it's cool that other people find things and yeah i'm totally i'm very curious there seems to be a ceramic trend between the two of you right now and seems like this is a beautiful dream and passion i'm curious is on top of that uh, jesse i'm wondering like what are some things because this is something i've been wondering about too it's, i don't really know what the limit is for me i don't really know how far i'm just trying to enjoy life be a good person give back here when I can and get some money and not lose my job and grow people if I can. So like for you, what do you think? And this is something I'm trying to ask people is what do you think are some like larger problems in life that we, that are just issues, like not even trying to solve a solution. What are some things that you might think or have noticed that, oh, these aren't too, these aren't the best functioning things in society. Maybe we can improve them. You're talking from like a society level or from Mm -hmm. like an individual level? Great question. Either or. So for you, is there anything that kind of resonates regarding when I ask a question of what are some issues in this world or problems or things you think can be improved upon? If I asked you that, what would you say? Oh, wow. Where do I even begin? <laughs> We've got time. Um, so. <laughs> that's true. I think, I guess from a national standpoint, like two issues that I care about the most are healthcare and education. I think Oh, and the third would be like infrastructure. I think those three things are crucial for people to be happy and productive. And those things are best, in my opinion, managed from a larger, more centralized organization, government, some may say. So I think from a standpoint of, I feel like, oh, I feel like a group of people should work on this. Those three things would come to mind first from an individual standpoint. I think things that will always become issues. I think with time, maybe some of these things will become resolved, but I think with trying to find your way and like the continual state of growing up, there's a lot of anxiety around it. There's also being dissatisfied, even though things are fine in a weird way, which also ties into anxiety. And I've accepted those as, oh, these are just feelings that I will have as an individual. And I don't necessarily need to like try to fix them per se. Obviously, it's good to address them, but also accepting them as just issues is helpful for me. I love that. That's so well thought out. It's, it's always evolving, isn't it? I would like the three things that healthcare, education, and infrastructure I would like those to be eventually resolved. Um, I love that. I love that. Is there, I'm curious, uh, John, if you could pick one of those three topics, which one would you choose to talk about right now? Healthcare, education, infrastructure. They're all very, they're all very difficult. Let's run with education. Yay. Education it is. Uh, right. so this one's a, a thorny you... topic too <laughs> <laughs> well we, we, we can always edit things out if needed yeah so let's dive into it i'm de- i'm totally down those are really big issues that i think uh, i would love to learn more about to be honest i don't think i know enough i'm quite ignorant in a lot of ways but i hope to learn more so starting the convo on education i was wondering if you had anything that you'd be open to sharing that you think might be more of a detailed nuanced 
point that we could. I'm definitely not an expert on education. Let's solve it with our ignorance together. Let's solve it right now on this podcast. I was going to put the title as Jesse, education expert. I don't even know what to put anymore. <laughs> education solved. <laughs> we figured it out. I think something that's interesting that's happening in New York right now is, again, I am not an expert on this, but like the scarcity of resources and then also like how that gets divided among people. Like one big debate that's happening is whether or not to get rid of a standardized test for high schoolers. So all these kids in New York take a test to get into pretty renowned public high schools in New York. And then there's a lot of discussion around doing away with it entirely. And it's super complicated <laughs> because it ties into like race and class and all that stuff. But it's an interesting problem, I think, also because it is pretty unique to New York in that there's just so many kids here and there's like only so many schools and there's a lot of money in the city, but it can only go so far. I think it's just an interesting problem because I grew up in the suburbs. So we had one high school or we had two high schools. So it's pretty obvious, like you're going to go to either one of the high schools and they're both pretty good. Yeah. I'm curious if y'all have heard about it or have thoughts about it. So I've heard about it just because I've lived here for a few months and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I guess throughout some of my circles, like some people have gone to some of those fancy high schools. And I, I just remember one really interesting thing, which was my friend's fiance was talking about how she went, she went to one of one of the fancy ones. And then she talked about her commute, how she would take sit on the train for on the subway for an hour. And then I was asking like, Oh, if you test well enough to go to the top high school, is there anyone that goes to a second ranked or like a third ranked high school because it's an easier commute. And she was like, no, like, it's just like everyone, everyone's trying to get to number one. And then if you can't get to number one, you're trying to get to number two. And yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, I don't know if I live far or if I, if like the subway line doesn't run the exact way I want to, I want to go. I feel like a lot of those things are going to, at least for me, it's going to influence where I want to go to school or in my case, more relevantly, like where I want to go to work. So it's like very interesting to me that the value system is is regarded in that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, if you can save 15 minutes on your commute, so that's 30 minutes a day, like over four years, that's a, that's a lot of time. And then maybe you have a friend who's going, I know there's so many reasons why it, I think it should not be just about going to the highest rank. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that was interesting to me. And I, I, I understand why it is very competitive and there's obviously a lot of the race and, and like class debate behind it. I don't know. Do you feel like there's a better way? Again, none of us are experts, but just having a conversation, but it's, I don't know, is yeah. there like, just wondering if, you or if you if you as well like have any thoughts about about a more comprehensive way of of running these high schools and like the admissions process i think in an ideal world all of the schools would be of like good equal caliber and you could do what you said just go to the school that 
is closest to you and most convenient to you. I think the hard part is that the schools are theoretically of a different caliber or like some of them have more clout and then that clout gives you the ability to maybe do things that you want to do or go to a better college or whatever. So I think that's where the hard part comes in because every like people want to go to these more renowned public high schools, but there's only so many spots. But maybe if all of them were that good, of course, this is ideally speaking, you could choose based on which one is would make your life better. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, how much are you going to care? Let's say you're still in New York decades from now. How much are you going to care on behalf of your children? This is something I actually think about. <laughs> I think it's I don't know. I really don't know. So it's hard to, so my parents, I think if my parents raised me in New York, they would care a lot, like which high school I got into, probably because of like their culture, how they're raised and like they have, they want always the best for me in that way. But I, it's hard to say, you'll have to ask me in like 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I obviously, I would want the best for my kid too but I think if they were on the train for two hours three hours a day I might start to reevaluate it yeah one one other thought that I've started to sort of reflect on more is like when I was 17 years old I had no notion wait I don't know if we talked about this, but if we did, I'm sorry. But I had no notion of not going to college. And now as a 30-year-old, I I like realize that college is not for everyone. Just like a competitive high school is not for everyone. Like maybe you want to be the next John Mayer and maybe you just want to be really good at guitar or maybe you're like into the arts or maybe you just want to like work in software right away and you're like, you can find a job. Like there, there are just so many, I just like fear of a world where everyone is trying to be ranked in that way when we're all like infinitely unique and we all have our own backgrounds and like our own dreams and ambitions and yeah I'm sure I'm sure we I'm sure we all want this like rosy future where everyone can celebrate their individuality and go do their own thing I had a friend who was is Norwegian and she has a perfectly comfortable life and I remember asking her I was like oh what do you do for work and she was like oh, I'm in graduate school studying Norwegian literature and I'm a barista like on the side. And like Norway, Norway is a very weird economy where people can live like that. But it was, it was really cool. She just loves coffee and she goes to these like coffee competitions. And I just, I love the idea of finding a passion and it, it doesn't have to be lucrative because everyone's comfortable and then just running with it and, and just like, making your own story and like carving out your own life. Unfortunately, that's Norway is a very different place than the US because they, they discovered oil in the 1960s. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they have a population of 5 million people. And yeah, they're like one of the largest oil exporters in Western, they're the largest in Western Europe. So they like tax it a shit ton and put it into a sovereign wealth fund. So it's, they're a very weird country where you can have these social experiments and then in the U.S. not there. And yeah, I don't have any solution other than if anyone knows a way where I can get to Norway, then please, please hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that sounds pretty nice too. 
do you, do you either of you feel like you were afforded that option when you were growing up like the option of pursuing kind of something beyond the normal path so the thing that's interesting from my perspective i grew up in the public school system and my high school i was just talking to someone the other day because we like bond in arizona over my high school when i graduated was 3200 and my graduating class was 747 people and yeah i think there's a lot to unpack there regarding education and opportunity and then also like my dad coming from england they have eaton and stuff where all the prime ministers basically come from so you talk about a classist educational system and being on the other side of it is is very interesting but also it was a solid public schooling system there's a lot of people but it was also very safe people of all different races and calibers and and such that being said i I do wonder like for me because the thing is my sister was very good at studies and i was a bit more you know not not as good at studies i still did well in school and ended up in a solid school and such but i definitely wasn't the uh, valedictorian type guy and so I've always wondered about that regarding education in a sense, like we talk about competition a lot. We talk about, especially kids in China and Europe and in Korea, they all have these, they just, that is not a world. I'm so lucky to not be growing up in that type of competitive landscape. It just seems so cutthroat and it also changes a person. I think I was talking to a friend the other day about, and and I don't want to actually get too into the details. I'm still reading about it. But the Harvard, oh shoot, I'm sorry, but the the affirmative action uh, acceptance process, and mm-hmm. there's like the Asian lawsuit and such, and a lot of Asians are not getting as highly uh, higher chanced in compared to the UC systems. And yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack in all of those conversations. And but I do, in the end, think it's it's not about just people being good at scores and the SAT, for example, or just like really high school scores, which it probably is very well, very leaning towards right now. I would suspect I'm out of the loop though. So if it is that case still, yeah, I just think like at bigger schools that are much more prestigious, they also look at hopefully the full rounded character of a person and personality traits, not just test scores. Yes. That is one interesting thing to unpack. But a second thing that I have really always thought about is for me, I had a lot of emotional and mental struggles, let's say, going through school in high school and college. I like started to struggle a lot mentally. And with that, I think after coming out of it all and being now in the real world and there's no curriculum for how to grow a design team, except for Google and and a few courses and such and Nielsen Norman stuff. But I realized that there's different types of education and it's, even though it sounds so simple, I realized that for me, I'm not a rote memory learner. I'm not a person who can read text continuously from a textbook. And I need to, I'm a very good experiential learner and collaborative learner, but the classroom landscapes and projects that we worked on weren't conducive for that type of learning mentality. It was much more suited for those that are better with the that type of the other type of learning style and i'm curious whether or not of course these aren't going to be solved overnight but like i was just talking to this person the other day uh, she's very nice and 
was a contemporary dancer and she had a senior thesis and her senior thesis was a beautiful contemporary dance routine that she pieced together, choreographed. And then I asked, what was the concept? Like, why did you come up with it? How did you come up with it? And it blew me away. She said that she was thinking about thermal dynamics, about how matter is neither created nor destroyed. And she was thinking about the continual movement of movement. And I was like, that is so conceptual. And it's not the first time I've heard people like, you may be interested in barista as a barista in coffee. I love coffee grinds and espresso and, and the basics of it. And yeah, you have to learn about heat temperature, thermal dynamics. You have to learn about calculating different weights. You have to do all the different things to find nuance. You have to do research R&D for iterating better taste profiles because not just you, it's for how you serve your customers and what their cup of tea tastes like to them. And how do you create an average uh, distribution curve for uh, agreeableness and such and such and such. So I, I just think that we're, we have a system for, it's very simple, but we had the industrialization of uh, the, the industrial revolution, which created us. So, so then we had to have classroom environments, which caused us to have the ability to maximize effectiveness for teaching people rote skills to then go and be factory workers type thing. And that's a very simple one possibility. And I think that the classroom environment is actually like getting out of date. And while tech is growing so fast and everything, I wonder how, I'm not saying that tech is a solution, but how can we curate education more to like, we're in the 21st century. It's surprising to me that there's one teacher. If we say seven is probably very interesting at a, like, that's a lot and probably just about right. Three, five, seven for a manager to manage ease. If a teacher has like me, like 30 plus ASU one in 300 classes, like how are we really thinking about education and how is, how are people growing at an individual level and feeling like someone, like each person has a hook, I guess I'm rambling, but like one thing for a designer, we have a designer right now that for two months he was suffering. He couldn't find his in and he was a new designer and we're trying to craft a culture and community for him to grow in that they, that he wants to show up and feel happy and supported. You just know when someone isn't there yet, you can just tell when you talk to somebody, there's no glint in their eyes. They're not proactive. They don't feel, seem happy, but they're trying. And you're just like, you're going through a lot, man, but you just can't force it. And I just think that sometimes the education system, especially what I went through, if there's those good teachers and professors and there's bad ones and mediocre, and I don't know the answer, but how do you create and craft a education system that's more curated to the individual with a quality learning system that gets them excited for the classroom to be proactively learning experientially in a way and not just suited for one type of people and yeah mm. hmm. yeah i don't feel like my parents were extra hard on me like i yeah, I think early on I was, I, I like thought of myself as smart. And so I would do less work to do the same thing. And then that, that eventually backfired. And then it's interesting because there was a point, I think I was like maybe 20 or 21 where I was just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I like. And then even if it's hard, I'm just gonna like do what I like. And then I think as I like did what felt right, more so than what other people expected of me. I think that was way more fruitful. 
But yeah, luckily, I feel like my parents were really good about just being like guide rails. It's not like you have to do this, but then but then they're there to guide you. Like my mom was like, "You're, I'm taking you to a drum lesson. And he was like, oh, okay, fine. And then it was actually really nice. And then I just kept doing it for the next number of years. But yeah, it was fortunate. I feel like, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to be like, okay, I haven't had kids yet, so could be totally naive, but I, I think what I'm going to do is just be like, all right, musical instrument, team sport, just choose one that you like. Like, you have to do one within those two, but I'll let you choose. I'll give you agency and then just try to be hands off. And then, I don't know, if the kid's not doing well in school, hey, you want help? Just try to give that kid agency. But but yeah, I like don't I don't think college is for everyone. So I would yeah I'm I'm also rambling as well. But I think the education system tried its best. What'd you do if your kid is I guess say your kid is struggling in college, like they don't find meaning in it. What would you advise them to do? Find a therapist. <laughs> yeah. And please don't harm yourself. Yeah, those are really like really tough scenarios that a lot of people go through. I don't know, but hopefully I'm in a position where I can be like, yeah, I'll I'll pay for therapy because it's helpful. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I feel like it's probably like someone who's getting hip surgery or something like that or has hip problems a lot of people in America just go for hip surgery. And this is something I'm not, I don't actually agree with. I think a lot of people are too proud to, or just don't realize that they should probably go to like physical therapy for escalation order of escalation for events. And I think that's the same case as exactly what you're pointing out. And if a student is already in college, right? Because again, there's so many different hypotheticals. Having been a student in college, you did have a lot of uh, hard times and also went to therapy and college and thank God Pomonic, you know, gave 10 free therapy sessions and growing up in an as a half asian american and asians stereotype therapy greatly and that's really sad and i think a lot more people should go to it if they need help but with that being said yeah i think there's like an escalation of events it it's not i don't think anybody should look down upon themselves or feel inadequate if they do drop out of college i would hope that people had the support network that is mature enough, not just tiger mom or mean or cruel or force, but there's good communication between your loved ones, family, friends, parents, etc. And the college staff has solid resources. Hopefully you, they care and they try to facilitate that type of community and or your sports coaches and stuff like that. They're, they're your therapist too. Now with all of that, if it doesn't work out and you just can't find that passion or vibe, it's like trying to stay in a forced marriage sometimes I'm not a proponent of divorce, but if it has to happen, sometimes it has to happen. Hey, Jesse, we ask all our guests this, but do you have any words of wisdom and or parting thoughts? I guess give yourself time to just take it easy. Like rest is good. We love rest and don't feel guilty about it. I love that. You heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> Maybe collectively as a nation, if we all take oh a big nap, 
problems. You, you know, you should adapt to nap so culture. Like, siesta culture. <laughs> oh my God, siesta culture. I, I don't know if this is true. But there's some companies in Japan that like at two to three, just turn, close the blinds automatically or something. I don't know. We need a siesta culture. Jesse, yeah, I, I really if you make so. this happen, I would second this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard that about China too. Like lunch hour includes nap time um, for adults. All right. That's very interesting. I'd be curious about analyzing China work culture. Thing I'd know is they call it like 996. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that too. Yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lot of hours right there. Yeah, for anyone not understanding, it's 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and six days a week rather than 9 to 5, 5 or whatever. But anyways, people do their things and naps, though. I totally agree, Jesse. That was, I don't, that hour passed by really fast, John. Oh my gosh. I'm so sad. This is my excuse to hang out with John and <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> and then I got to meet someone really cool called Jesse. This is awesome. Do you have a one hour quota of hanging out fan. with John? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if quota is the... Is I the try to avoid it. This is the only for. time we got to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast, where we talk about craft community and building meaningful careers we were joined today by the illustrious and amazing pottery enthusiast and developing developer jesse 